ITC Radio slash the Sunday Crease for November the third, two thousand and nineteen. Um, this is a this is this is a this is a big episode. This is the first uh, full episode I, I'm doing as part of a new format. Um, essentially, for those of you who didn't uh, hear the last episode, and a lot of I'm sure that's a lot of you. Um, uh, basically, I'm changing the format of the way I do uh, the podcast to kind of make it so that I can do add more content to my website as well as to the Patreon, give patrons uh, the some exclusivity. And so, what I'm doing now is I'm actually up uh, upping the podcast to two episodes a week. One of which is going to be unlocked, which is the one that you're listening to right now and free for everybody. And then there's going to be a second episode every week that is going to be a Patreon exclusive, and that came, which came out a few days ago. Um, and what's great about this new format is that I can actually do is that I'm kind of. I can do a lot more with it now. Now that I don't have the, now that I don't have the podcast going exclusively to patrons, there's a lot more possibilities on what I can do with the show and things I can add. And today is kind of actually uh, today we're compl- like a lot of the system is changing. Uh, so you'll notice you've probably gotten this podcast in a different format on different platforms uh, than the pa- than just Patreon, which is cool. Um, and that's what this, this, and, uh, this episode is going to be also, uh, this episode every week is always going to be on Sundays and it's going to be, uh, the new Sunday crease essentially. So for those of you who don't know, um, in the past on my blog, I've done the Sunday crease column, um, which I've loved doing. It's, you know, it's, um, it's, but it's a bit of a hassle to do every week. It's one of those... I feel, I've realized over the years that more I've done, the more uh, the more of uh, the Sunday crease I've done, I've taken less time to do my good stories, like to write uh, more interesting, like big long reads, uh, because I'm put I'm saving a lot of the stories for the end of the week for this po- for the, the for the crease, and I'm thinking now that if I'm gonna that in a way I can kind that I feel like uh, I can do. Uh, a better job with both if, say, I'm not writing for the week, if I'm not writing for the end of the week anymore, and if I make it just a podcast, uh, I can talk about it, it's a little bit more personal, it's a little more fun, it's a little bit of an, it's a, it's a change. So th- this is going to be the new Sunday Crease format now. It's going to be this podcast, it's going to be about all the Canucks, the stuff from the from the past little bit, from the past little while, the Canucks, some of the big stories, uh, whatever there is to talk about. And that's what's cool about this episode. Um, and today uh, is, again, like I said before, um, there's a lot less handcuffs on kind of what I can do with the show because, for example, one thing is, you know, I've always wanted to get some guests on the show, and that's kind of hard to do when you're like, oh, you can't just call somebody up and be like, oh, how would you like to be on my podcast that's behind a paywall, right? Nobody wants to, nobody wants to do that. So, um, so, uh, but with now again that I've got this extra episode every week, uh, I can do at least one episode with a guest sometime, every now and then, and this week, uh, I have, uh, J.D. Young from Fear the Fin to talk about last night's Canucks and Sharks game, which we're gonna get into, uh, by ourselves here for a bit, but, yeah, uh, we're gonna have a, I'm gonna talk to him about, as well, about the San Jose Sharks and how they've been doing of late, uh, what's up, what's up in San Jose a lot, cause things are going, 
a little bit off the rails over there, as anyone who hasn't been paying attention to the Sharks might have noticed last night. Uh, and that's kind of, and yeah, the, we're going to do a little bit more NHL talk as well as the Canucks. And yeah, hopefully this new format is fun for everybody and enjoyable. So, uh, and with that in mind, uh, let's talk about the fact that the Vancouver Canucks are one of the hottest teams in the NHL right now, and people are... Uh, quest are starting to believe a little bit, including myself. Um, they they're coming off a five two win over the San Jose Sharks last night. Really, it was a five. It, the two goals that the Sharks got were more or less garbage time goals. So I wouldn't call. I wouldn't. I I would say. Or well, I would say the last the last goal is garbage time. It was a five one game. Really, the Canucks dismantled the Sharks pretty cleanly. Um, it was one, it was probably the Canucks best game of the year. It was the most, it was their most complete game. They nearly had, they nearly had a shutout going into that final, into that final stretch there at the end. Um, and it, it was a, it was a good game. There was so much to like from everybody on the ice. There wasn't one, um, player who, there wasn't, it was, it was a full team effort, which is, Again, something the Canucks have been missing for years. So anytime they do it now is such a big deal. There's something to love about this team being able to win games like that, being able to not just rely on their big names to get things done and to win and to win them games. Because again, as we've seen in the past, when they rely too heavily on their stars and the stars get hurt. The season can go to the crapper. Like, of course, everybody remembers the tra- the Tortorella, the John Tortorella year when Mike Santarelli, the legend himself, went down. Oh, it killed everything. No, but in, in all seriousness, yeah, there there's you, you don't want to have to rely on your superstars like other teams do, like and like the Canucks have in the past. So it's good to see them finding ways to win and getting key contributions from guys farther down the lineup like one guy who I who I have one make an effort to talk about today was Brandon Sutter Brandon Sutter's looked great he had a goal last night he uh, Aaron Dell may have given him a little help but overall he he played he played he he took advantage of a situation of a tough situation for Aaron Dell he and he made the Sharks pay and that's why the Canucks got off to such a good start um and it's um and it, and it's good to see him stepping up in a way especially because I would admit that I'm somebody who has maybe been down on Brandon Sutter in the past like I've often thought like maybe eh scratch him I've thought about you know maybe the the Canucks could healthy scratch Brandon Sutter people have I've I've read some stuff recently on like the athletic and stuff that have said oh don't scratch Brandon Sutter there are other ways you can use him and I've come around now watching him play I've come around to that thinking of okay the, I've clearly was wrong on this one you have to I'm clearly going to take the L here uh and Sutter's looked very good. He has four goals this season. He 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 basically he basically goaded Aaron Dell into making a mistake, and nearly made him pay right off the bat. But then later, just already caught out of the net, Sutter was able to capitalize on on a late opportunity. Josh Levo, Jake Bertanen getting assists, and that's the big and that's huge. The, that third line getting in on the scoring and opening the scoring for that matter so early in the game. That's huge that's a big deal those those goals are key if you look at any team that's won the stanley cup in the last like 
forever, basically. You, they're always the those bottom two lines are always contributing. There is no, there is no, there is no way you can win a championship without getting key offense offensive contributions from your bottom two lines, from your bottom pairings. Um, and Brandon Sutter did Brandon Sutter. Josh Levo and Jake Vertanen have been doing that of late and doing it well. I mean, Vertanen had a goal last night, his fourth, his fourth of the season. Uh, you had points. There was, and there's uh, Adam Gaudet had a goal. Although I think maybe, although I'm hearing Gaudet, maybe one of his goals got taken away, and that was also credited to Brandon Sutter. I might have to look back into that. But um, either way. Either way, you're either way you're getting those those offensive contributions from the likes from guys who last year you would have been hard pressed to find them scoring regularly. So it's good to have it, and it's good that they're figuring things out on the fl- now. You still need your stars to play well, and oh boy, has Elias Pettersson been amazing of late. Um, just going back, looking at his point totals right now. From the if I if I'm reading this correctly, and admittedly I am bad at math and doing math very quickly on the fly here in his last seven games are you ready for this are you ready for this Elias Pettersson has five let's see five let's see five eight twelve fourteen points fourteen points that fourteen points for er no I'm definitely doing that wrong five eight uh, no, no, I've got that right. That is 14. 14 points in seven games. He's on a, he, in his last seven games, he's scoring at two, at a two point per game pace. That's insane. That's, that's amazing. He's, he's looking great. He is putting up points. He's getting goals in the net. Last night he had two. Uh, and that was a big concern early on in the year that he wasn't going to be putting in those pucks that he wasn't putting in pucks. Uh, he only had two goals through through the first, uh, what, nine games of the year? Uh, for the first, like, nine games of the year, he only had two goals. Now he ha- he's had uh, four in the last five, so that's good to see. There's, oh, Elias Pettersson is elite. He's an amazing talent. Like, there's, you can't help but, uh, you can't help but get excited every time he puts the puck in the net, and it's always so amazing. The way he was setting up plays with Brock Besser and JT Miller over the last couple of games, the power play has been clicking of late. I mean, we already saw it. Um, we already saw that on display against LA, and uh, especially and last night. Last night also was a big uh, bad night because they didn't. They only got the one power play goal, but it was a it was a nice goal. It was a nice goal in the third period. From the most part, there is um, what we also got was a key lesson in why the Canucks need Quinn Hughes. Quinn Hughes, of course, got injured in the game against Anaheim, uh, and. They definitely didn't look as good. They did, the power play was definitely missing something, and and that and in a way that's a good thing. It's a good it's good to know for Quinn Hughes' sake just how valuable he is to that power play unit. What's not great is the fact that when he's out, they have a much harder time uh, putting pucks in the net. That's concerning. That is very concerning. Hughes, you really noticed in the Anaheim game, especially when Hughes. When Hughes left the ice after his knee buckled, um, there was 
It was, it, there was there was a noticeable shift. They definitely looked just a little bit slower. They looked a little bit behind, a little bit more behind the eight ball than they were before. It's not, it, that's not to say they can't win without Quinn Hughes. Obviously they can, and they did it big, and they did it in a big way last night. It's just that he really does add a little extra spice to that lineup and it's great and it's and it's and it's so great to to have him it's quinn uses a canuck is basically what i'm getting at the point is is just he's it's so he is such a breath of fresh air for this team uh he's such a fresh a breath of fresh air uh on the blue line the canucks have i don't think the canucks have ever had a blue liner quite like him and he he put he the way he's able to his zone entries are phenomenal the way he the way he sets he the way he sets things up on the power play everything uh you now again you do hope the Canucks can find a way to um to kind of at least come close to replicating his his power play success with either another with another quarterback like maybe Alex Edler or Tyler Myers the obviously they're in for they're in tough and you're not going to find anyone who can exactly replace that obviously but you hope they can find however long he's out and it shouldn't be too long it is day to day he's listed as day to day um you hope they can find somebody who can at least fill in and can keep the momentum going because they were on a good run. They were on a good... They were heading in the right direction. It really looked like they were, they were starting to really make that that power play lethal, which and which is something that the Canucks just had so much trouble with all of last year. So if they can find a way to keep that momentum going, even with somebody who's not... There, who's not there? Who's not their guy? Who's not a? Uh, who's not Quinn Hughes? That's huge. That'll be that'll be good for them. Um, now, one thing I did want to talk about. Uh, we're gonna get more into the uh, Sharks game uh, in a little bit with uh, JD. Uh, uh, but for now, I did want to talk about a little bit more about. Uh, just goaltending and goaltending. Uh, Jacob Markstrom uh, had a pretty good night against Anaheim. He only let in two goals. The the overtime goal was a little bit of a uh, a questionable one. Um, he uh, slid out to to try and uh, he pulled the Hashik slide to try and uh, take the puck away from Ryan Getzlaff and Getzlaff walked around him and scored in overtime. Uh... I, I I I will say this. I'll st- I'll start by saying this. The guts to to pull, to try that is it's big. You got to have some guts to try that. I will say this though in my experience doing the Hashik slide, what you got to do, it what Mark the key mistake Markstrom makes is is he goes pads out. He put the legs out into Getzlaff. What you got to do when you're sliding out to that guy, you got to put the you got to put the hands out. You got to put the the stick out because then say you miss like with like he did there. If if it's your leg, if your if your legs are facing the player and he cuts to the far side, which they're going to do most of the time if they're coming in off that angle, like the short angle. They're not going to deke back to the short side. They're going to go around to the far towards the far wider gap of the net so what you want to do is you you, you gotta have you gotta have the hand you gotta have the hands 
closest to the far side because then if you miss like uh, Markstrom did against Getzlaff, you still have the stick to try and reach and to try and maybe block it. The Because if your legs are just there, then they just walk around because there's nothing you can do. You're facing the wrong way. So always, this is the tip for you, goalie tip for you kids. Face the face. Put your, pa- put your pads to the short side so you build the short side wall in case they want to go that way. And then if you miss on the far side, you can still reach. You can still grab for it. That was Markstrom's mistake. Now, to be fair, I don't think Markstrom has ever thought of attempting that play in the last entirety of his career. So, it, you know, that was probably a spur of the moment thing. He probably, I'm going to, I'm willing to bet a lot of money he hasn't practiced that move all too many times in his career so i can forgive him for not getting the execution correctly uh but also but either way he had a good game like the like the overtime goal is a little bit of a blemish but overall he had a really great game he was he was on top of he kept the canucks in it for a long time because there were cases where the canucks just didn't where the canucks looked like they were gonna get John Gibson was going to steal this one from them. And at the very least, Jacob Markstrom was able to keep things going and to, uh, was able to, uh, was able to, um, hold the minute for, hold the minute until Adam Caudette could get that tying goal, uh, late in the third period. So, and that goes a long way. The, the fact that he was able to battle one of the best goaltenders in the National Hockey League and keep it to a one nothing game for so long and base and help them get gain that extra point is huge and but also but also thatcher demko has been very good as his more than capable uh as his 1b uh you you uh mark you saw you saw that on full display last night against the sharks he had two goal he let in two in the third period but a lot of that i think was the shark was the canucks taking their foot off the gas just a little bit in fun and uh the sharks got a look because the sharks really picked up the shooting pace in the third period and then they ha- and they had some good chances but either way demko was solid when he needed to be he kept them he kept he kept things go he kept the canucks uh honest he played well and he played well he the Canucks didn't need to work the Canucks what's great about this team and I think one of one of the reasons they've had such success this year is that they don't have to worry about who's in net right now if they went with when Markstrom and Demko are both healthy they don't have to worry about the net they don't have to worry about who's in goal they know they're going to get NHL excellent NHL caliber goaltending every single night and that's goes and that does go a long way like players like i know from experience players think about who's in net and i know that because most of the time when i'm in net they're like oh crap we're screwed that's not (laughs) but you know when you're when you're if you're not as confident in your goaltender there is always part of you in the back of as a player there's part of you in the back of your head that you're always thinking okay all right i gotta keep the shots to a minimum you gotta keep the shots low and in a way you kind of back off offensively because you're worried about about taking any risks about taking risks and having the backfire on the transition back so the fact that the canucks can kind of turn that brain off turn that part of their brain off and know okay if we make a mistake a, there's a good chance we can maybe make it up, but at the very least, the goaltender can get can fix it. The goal, 
our goaltenders will 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 help us. Will help us out. That goes a long way. That confidence helps. And I've heard a lot of people talking about the idea of trading Jacob Markstrom at the trade deadline. Something that I have actually mentioned in an article before, talking about how if Thatcher Demko has a season where he looks like he could be a starting caliber goaltender, the Canucks could theoretically trade Markstrom at the deadline. My my, but I I will say this: a lot of that about of that part of my understand of that of that was on the idea that the Canucks weren't going to be totally fighting for a playoff spot. I will say my thought process changes a little bit if they're in the thick of a playoff hunt because and I'm not I'm not again I don't I'm going to say right now I'm not I'm not saying they're going to make the playoffs I'm saying they're going to be in the hunt for it at the very least especially after the way they've been playing. Um you don't uh, having two capable NHL goaltenders is something that can go a really long way, especially in the playoffs. And I do worry a little bit about trading Markstrom. Uh, about trading Markstrom if you're going into the playoffs. My thought process is at this point is maybe stick with Jacob Markstrom. Maybe if if things. Obviously, the Canucks are performing a little bit, at the very least, a little bit above uh, above uh, the way they probably should be. They're probably going to come back down to earth a little bit. But either way, what I'm thinking is you keep Jacob Markstrom in kind of in a way that the in the way that the Blue Jackets kept, held on to uh, Sergei Bobrovsky. Think of that as like your trade deadline acquisition almost, as your trade deadline acquisition is keeping Markstrom. Going, running with the, if you make the playoffs, you run with the two of them, and then and in at the tra- and then at the draft you look into all right let's make a deal let's make a deal let's send him to a team who he might who he'd consider resigning with i cuz i do like the idea i do think there is a good chance that next come next season Thatcher Demko is the number 1 goaltender uh, but for this season if the if things keep going the way they're going I don't want to see them trade him just because they have an abundance of goaltenders because, say, Demko gets hurt. All of a sudden, you're looking at Zane McIntyre as your starting goaltender, and that's not what you want if you're going to go into the playoffs. I would say keep them both. Uh, I would say keep them both. If it looks like they're going to make the playoffs, keep them both. If it doesn't look like the Canucks are going to go to the playoffs, then you think about talking. Then you talk about Jacob Markstrom as a trade deadline chip. I think right now the best thing for them is to keep them both, head into the playoffs, and then after the playoffs are over, decide what you're going to do. I don't maybe, and who knows, maybe that's still re-sign Jacob Markstrom. I don't know for sure. But at the very least, I would say if it looks like they're going to go to the playoffs, I don't think you should trade. I don't think Jacob Markstrom is a guy you want to trade. I think you keep them both and have that and keep that confidence in your goaltender in the goaltending situation as high as it can go heading into the postseason because again that can take you to that can take you that could be the thing that takes you the distance and with that uh let's get uh i bring you to 
around the ranks. This is the uh, a new segment that I'm the the Sunday crease segment around the ranks, where um, usually I talk about other NHL teams, and today is no exception. Um, we're gonna talk about some cool NHL stuff, but first uh, we're gonna talk to uh, my friend from Fear the Fin about also about the Canucks and last night's game as well as the San Jose Sharks uh, from Fear the Fin, J.D. Young. All right, so joining me today is uh, my friend from Fear the Fin, J.D. Young. J.D., how are you doing? I'm doing well. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, uh, thanks for thanks for being on the show and everything. Uh, you're actually my first guest I've ever had, so, th- so <laughs> I might have to get you like a medal or something later, like a plaque. No, you just set the bar low, and then that way all your other guests are going to be much better. Oh, don't 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 talk about yourself like that. No, no. Um, uh, so, but yeah, so we're gonna t- obviously we're gonna talk about the Canucks and the Sharks game last night. And I'm gonna be totally honest with you. I did not expect the. I did not ex- when I when uh, this game when prior to this game I did not expect the Canucks to uh, have such a crazy night against San Jose. I expected a much closer battle. What, where, where did things go wrong? I guess. Uh, I think for the sharks, uh, coming off the previous night where they totally dominated Winnipeg. I mean, they outshot them and you kind of thought that they would try to keep that momentum going, but, uh, Vancouver, I mean, they were just the speed of Vancouver. Uh, once they could, you know, once they got going, it was just a snowball effect. And you could see after after the Pedersen goal in the first period, that unbelievable goal, it was just all downhill from there. And then even in the start of the second period, you could kind of see they were going to come out with some energy. Uh, but when then uh, Bertan got that, or Bentonen, sorry, got that uh, that breakaway goal, and then they reviewed it. And after that, they were the Sharks were just done after that. So it just, they packed it in and that was it for the night right and that's that's kind of speaks to what's been going on in san jose for the most part where things have just really like when when it rains it pours almost for them yeah and it's definitely uh it's been a problem all season where you know they give up the first goal and then they're they you know you can see some life where they try to fight back but then you know you have goaltending issues or you know defensive breakdown or just guys that are usually score aren't scoring and then they just you know right now they're just not a good hockey team yeah um i guess the in a way that's so surprising though just looking at what's happened to the to the sharks because in reality they're not all that changed from last year they've had a couple key losses but i don't think anybody expected the drop off that they've kind of experienced this year. Do you feel like, because I've seen people suggest that a lot of this is just the loss of uh, Joe Pavelski. Do you feel like that's kind of why things have gone so off the rails or is there more to it than that? Uh, I think it's a combination of things. I mean, you know, losing Pavelski hurts, but I mean, I think it's smart to not sign a, a forward who's turning 35 and put up uh, career highs and you know, and his shooting percentage and, you know, like Pavelski's not going to be scoring 38 goals again, you know, in a year, um, you know, and it's especially for the money that Dallas gave him, um, you know, and like I know people are there's Eric Carlson's definitely a hot issue or a hot topic with, uh, you know, like, oh, he ruined the Sharks. They paid him too much money and stuff like that. But I mean, if you ask me, you 
you pay for elite talent and Eric Carlson's still elite and he's still going to be elite for several years. And, you know, um, so I think, you know, yes, losing Pavelski, um, it's, it's tough, but I mean, there's, it's one of those things where it's, you know, if you pay Pavelski and then all of a sudden, you know, a year and a half from now, and he's basically third line Pavelski with that you're paying $7 million to. Right. And I, I would agree with you on that same line of thinking. Like, I think for the most, I think, I think it was smart them to step away from Pavelski. The big, just the big thing though, for San Jose is that even, even regardless of who they brought back in, they, because of how many draft picks they've given up, including that first rounder, which is now in the hands of Ottawa, um, they they needed this year to be a good year. So, do, where do you think the where was the thinking? What was the thought process? Where that kind of where they kind of looked at this lineup and said, okay, this is this team can still vie for a playoff spot. Yeah, I think uh, you know. I mean, if you look at the team, I mean, you know, like it's for the most part. I mean, you're big guys like you're expecting uh timo to you know to have like kind of take that next jump where like last year he you know he showed what he could be but then you're expecting him to kind of break into that superstar mode um and kind of help fill in for pavelski's loss and then like Kator, you know Kator's had one goal this season and that's you know that's you're expecting 30 35 goals from Kator, and uh, you know so he's been off to a slow start uh hurdle you know who's been just you know he's been like he's supposed to be your second line and he's been he just hasn't been scoring too i mean i know his expected goals are up there but i mean expected goals need to turn into goals at some point at some point yeah yeah so you know and i think uh also looking you know lebank who's you know lebank's been uh scoring pretty well for the sharks but just his defense has been atrocious at times where he just lets guys you know skate past him and do you know he just kind of waves at them so i think you know there's a lot of expectations for those guys to kind of make keep playing at the level that they were playing at and then or kind of jump up to that next level and just some of those guys just aren't doing it right now how much of the the sharks record right now do you think sits on the coaching and particularly with pete DeBoer? uh i think DeBoer, that's definitely been, uh, especially at Fear of the Finn, I mean, I think the majority of us are on the Pete DeBoer's probably got to go. I mean, you can look at (laughs) Yeah, it's it's time to move on. Um, I think just his lineup decisions and the way he utilizes his players, you know, uh, like last night, um, you know, I'm looking at the, like, stats from last night. Uh, Brett Burns and Eric Carlson both played 25 minutes and Tim Heed played 11. Like you have, I know Tim Heed's nowhere near as good as those guys, but you gotta like, you gotta kind of try to, you know, utilize your whole team, you know, Noah Gregor, who had like a, you know, he had a really nice game on Friday night. Again, he plays 10 minutes last night. Like that's not, you gotta try to, yeah, that's not enough. Like I know he's no, he's a rookie, I know, but it's like these guys are going to like go out there and score a goal in five minutes, and then that's it. Like You have to get these guys out there and get these guys reps. So Right, and especially when you know guys like Eric Carlson who have injuries, long-term injuries, you can't be expecting them to play 30 minutes a night and stay healthy that way. Yeah, definitely. Um, in, in regards to, say, I've heard people that, you know, 
oh, the Sharks don't fire, never fire coaches midway through the season. But one of the rarities is that the Sharks do have a guy who's coached, who has NHL head coaching experience on the bench besides Pete DeBorn, that's Bob Bugner. Uh, do you think, do you think this lineup is like, if say they did, say they did decide, okay, Pete, we're going to hand the reins over to, to Bob now and you're going to, and you're going to have to pack your things. Do you, do you see this as being a team that could still potentially turn things around with a new voice on the bench? Like I think, I think so. I think you do. I mean, you have a lot of talent on this team. I mean, you know, this team was in the Stanley Cup uh, or the Western Conference Finals last year. You know, uh, a couple of years ago they were in the Stanley Cup Finals. Like, there is a lot of talent on this team. Um, you know, and it's just I think right now, you know, just players aren't playing up to their potential, and sometimes you know that message that you get from coaching, it becomes stale, and you know sometimes you gotta. You get a new coach. I mean, I'm not expecting like a St. Louis situation last year where, you know, you get a new coach in there and then all of a sudden, you know, you're making a Stanley Cup run. But um, Pittsburgh, same thing. <laughs> you know, Pittsburgh, same thing. But, it, you know, it's studies show, you know, player like coaches, if they don't win one within their first three years, it's usually they're not going to win you a Stanley Cup. So, right. It's right. It hap- It has, it, of course it happens. It's circumstance, right? Like sometimes teams are going to be rebuilding right when you get there. So it's a little tough, but then yeah, you might lose the room before it's t- before you're ready to make that push. Um, in regards, because things aren't looking too great. If you were say going to go in and shake things up, if you're Doug Wilson and you want to shake things up, like where do you look specifically to try and make change? Uh, I think, I mean, other than trying to, you know, I mean, I think moving on from DeBoer, and then I think, uh, you know, I mean, the Sharks, they do have a lot of de- uh, defensive depth. I think especially with Ferraro, the way he has shown this year, I think he's, no, I wouldn't trade Ferraro. Uh, I think he's something you can build with. But, I mean, I think, uh, like, Vlasic or Dylan are kind of one of those pieces where you could probably still get, try to trade him for a top six uh, winger um, and then, you know, try to shake things up from there. Cause like right now, I mean, Patrick Marlowe is our first line winger and the I mean, he's scored line winger. Yeah. So oh, he's two goals in his first game. And then since then it's been pretty quiet. So yeah. Yeah. How surprised were you when they decided, okay, we're going to go out and, and bring back Patrick Marlowe, especially after the scoring got off to such a slow start. Were you how surprised were you about that? I was pretty shocked, to be honest. Uh, I mean, I love Marlowe. Mar- Patrick Marlowe is my first Sharks love, of course. Um, but you know, it's one of those things where I feel like uh, with Marlowe, you know, it's it's nice. You know, the sentimental part of me was really happy, but at the same time, I think you're taking minutes from uh, younger guys who, you know, like your Noah Gregors, uh, who could be utilizing those minutes and you know, getting those reps and becoming better. So, right. Um, uh, the, the Sharks are in a bit of a uh, situation with the goaltending uh, as well, just because Martin oh. Jones and Dell are they're not they're not doing so well. Uh, um, is do you see any scenario where, particularly Jones, could turn things around? And he could fight. Do you think that's maybe like a goaltending coat, like a coaching issue, or do you think? This is kind of the Martin Jones we're getting is the Martin Jones you're going to always get. I think it's what we're going to get, unfortunately. Um, Shang from uh, Fear the Fin, he had a great article last uh, during the playoff run about Martin Jones where um, 
he spoke to some scouts and goalie coaches and uh, about they thought that there was some stuff that was correctable. Um, you know, he was playing a little, uh, I think he was trying to be a little bit more aggressive and stuff with the way he was playing and it just wasn't working. And then, but it seemed like it could be uh, something that could be corrected. But uh, so far this season, it just doesn't look like that, uh, especially for Jones, where it's, you know, it's like, it's the same old stuff with him. So, yeah, I mean, it's actually, it's disappointing, especially because we've seen how good he can, because he, I mean, he got them to the Stanley Cup final yeah. the first year. He was, he was a key part of that run. And so it's, kind of, it's shocking in a way to see him take such a slide, especially because he's not, it, he's not an older guy either. He's, he's, he's still, uh, what, he's still younger than 30. He's, he's not past his prime per se. No. So it's pretty shocking that he's just taken not like it's not even a slide it's like off the cliff yeah and you wonder i mean you're you're the uh the the goalie expert but you wonder (laughs) if it's uh if it's you know it could be coaching i mean he's had the same you know like his coach if this coaching staff is just if he needs that new um uh that new voice uh he'll be 30 in january january 10th so Right. I, I I will say, yeah, goal, from what I've seen, goalie coaching can really go a long way. I think what Johan Hedberg is there, uh, goalie coaching does it right now? Uh, sure. I believe so. I believe it's him. <laughs> Sorry. Um, that's all right. Um, and I will say, like, uh, from Vancouver experience, I mean, Jacob Markstrom has never looked better since uh, the Canucks brought back Ian Clark. Uh, Roberto Luongo he was always a great goaltender in Vancouver, but big thing, the big changes he made, fundamental changes he made to his game when he was in his late 20s uh, was when they brought in Roly Melanson to coach, and he started playing a little bit deeper in his crease because he's a bigger goaltender. And I think at the yeah, I think with guys like Martin Jones, there I, I I know we've talked about this on the Slack before, uh, like our group Slack, our group uh, message system board. But um, I think you can, mm-hmm. I I definitely think you can add uh, different like fundamental parts to your game. It's just, as long as you're still keeping up on the things that have made you successful. And yeah, sometimes that means. Uh, a change in go- in a goalie coach like that's not the right mm-hmm. voice. Maybe you need somebody who's going to be a little bit uh, a little make sure that you're keeping a closer eye on the things that have gotten you to this point, as well as making those minor tweaks to your game to make to make you a more all around uh, built goaltender. Yeah, so I mean, there could be some hope, but I I think Sharks fans in general though they might I don't know if he's just too far gone, you know, in the eyes of Sharks fans where. Uh, you know, I don't know if he'll be able to bounce back. And then Dell, uh, you know, it's like Dell can make some fantastic saves, but it just feels like so he makes so many just like mental errors. Like last night on the first goal, uh, where he just like passed it to a Canucks player, and it was just like deep dish like, pizza. Yeah, it's just yeah. not you know. So. Yeah, right to Brandon Sutter. I'm. I, it was. I mean, and I will say this: Brandon Sutter's been a lot better this season than he has been years past. But I mean, that was a gift. That was that was a gift of a yeah. play, and it really set the Sharks up for a rough night. He almost. I mean, you could you could you could make the argument that that uh, Jake for Tannen goal maybe shouldn't have counted. Uh, but yeah, well, I first thought I didn't, and then when they kind of slowed, showed the replay, it was just like yeah. And then the way the Sharks. Like, they have not gotten any calls this year. So it's just, I think they used up all their calls in game seven last year. So 
Yeah. Oh yeah, and all those game sevens with the the skate over the, the offside. Yeah. The 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 Cody Eakin thing. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's, yeah. And that, that's funny for the Canucks as well, because, uh, in Vancouver, the whole thing is that we haven't been able to get a call in years. And now all of a sudden, every single call is going our way. And we're like, what did we do? What, did, what why is everything going right now? Yeah. Um, enjoy I, it. yeah, oh, we will we'll enjoy it as much as we can. Um, I guess to try and get us finish this off on, on a nicer note, um, if there is one thing, like one or two, like some good things you you've seen from the Sharks, or like just individual players, like what have what is there? What what gives you reason for hope for the future in San Jose? Uh, I think there's some there's some guys there. Like uh, we touched on Ferraro. I think Ferraro, who's uh, 21, I think he has got a really bright future. Uh, he hasn't got his first goal yet, but the way. Just the way he kind of moves the puck in his own end and the way he's able to transition out, uh, you know, and play defense against bigger guys. I think uh, he's a very smart player, and I'm really excited to see his future, Uh, especially when we get um, Ryan Merkley, uh, you know, coming soon. I think the the two there, uh, if you pair those guys up, I think there's a really, really bright future there. Um, Hurdle, smile. I'll just say that. Just watching Hurdle. (laughs) And then him smiling. That's, that's, Turtle's got a good smell for sure. Yes, uh, but no, I think there's a lot of talent on this team, and I think uh, I think there is uh, for a chance for them to turn it around. But I just don't know if the leadership is in place for them to be able to turn it around this year. Right, they are running. They're they're starting. They're not at the point of no return yet, but they're getting it's much getting closer than they'd like really to close. be. Yeah, which is which is which is kind of nuts considering we're only a month into the season. Uh, yeah. But thank you so much for uh, the show today. Where can uh, people find your stuff? Uh, so yeah, you can uh, follow me on the old Twitter. I'm at my fryhole m y f r y h o l e, and then I usually I kind of do some stuff for Fear the Fin, and I'll uh, also kind of live tweet some of the games on the Fear the Fin uh, Twitter account. So what I do, it's usually very starky. So. That's true. And you do a lot of great Instagram work as well. I think I should point that out. You- uh, yes, you, yes, you can uh, follow our uh, Fear the Fin's Instagram at fear.the.fin. So uh, yeah, we uh, we do some fun stuff on there. So Yeah, JD is our uh, is our uh, our uh, wonder when it comes to uh, ad- all things Adobe, uh, all the photoshops <laughs> and Illustrator stuff. He's done some great work. He does really great work on the lineup uh, sheets thing. Um, thank you. Yeah, of course. And thank you for coming on the show. Uh, and yeah, th- yeah, we'll talk to you. We'll talk to you later. All right, sounds good. Thanks again. And that was JD Young from Fear the Fin. Uh, thanks again to him for. Uh, uh, doing this, taking the time out of his day to do this, um, and uh, I won't. I'll keep the rest because of that. I'll keep the rest of this episode relatively short, uh, just because you know there's there's a lot there's a lot going. This is my first time doing a lot of all this stuff, especially like even an interview and everything on the show. So we're gonna keep the rest of this episode pretty short. Uh, Milan Lucic is one person I wanted to get into. He was suspended two games for. Uh, knocking over or for soccer punching. Who was it? Was it Cole Sherwood? I believe it was some name on the Blue Jackets. Or when I heard it, I'm like, no, this this person is not real. This is a 
fake EASHL player. Uh, he is not real, uh, but he is in fact real. Cole Sherwood. Here we go. Oh, and he's from Columbus. That's pretty cool. And oh, that was his only game. Oh no, um, that was his only game of the season. He took he took a little jab at David Riddick, and then Milan Lucic came up and just punched him in the face. And uh, the Flames apparently disagree with that call. And I'm kind of like. I mean, I heard some people, they were talking about, they're like, oh, like, he, the, the code is, like, you know, it's not a sucker punch because he knew it was coming. I saw that from somebody today. It's like, because he jabbed Riddick with the stick. I'm like, in no way does that mean, oh, I'm about to get, please come punch my face. That's not how that works at all. <laughs> I don't think people understand what a sucker punch is. But I, I, I can't believe I have to define this today, but a, a sucker punch is when one person doesn't want to fight and the other one punches them anyway. That, that's what a sucker punch is, kids. Like, that's your, that's your uh, English lesson for today. A sucker punch is when it's not expected. And some people are like, oh, it was expected because he jabbed at the goalie. No, you maybe expect a shove. You don't expect Milan Lucic all 200 pounds of Milan Lucic to just hit you as hard as they can in, in your face. That's kind of not how that works. And the fact of the matter is, a two-game suspension is... Or, no, it's not... Oh, is this not culture? Am I, do I have this wrong somewhere? Why does it say he says plays for Colorado? Am I Have I got this wrong somewhere? I might be... I don't think I... I do I think, oh, the system is wrong. We're going to say the system is wrong. Uh, but essentially, yes, it doesn't matter. The, at the end of the day, the end of the day, I think Lucic is getting a suspension that's deserved. I think it makes sense. Um, and I am fine with it. I don't see anything wrong. I don't, I don't, I don't see anything wrong with that suspension. Two games is fine. It, the bottom line is just don't like sucker punch people. Like I get Calgary's looking for every reason to say, oh, they won, they won that trade, but they're not going to get it no matter what. It's, it's just not going to happen. Um, and yeah, I don't think anyone who takes like, yeah, I don't like it when as a goaltender, I don't like when people take a whack at me, but I don't expect my teammate to go and just, just absolutely tee off on them with with like with like the with like punches you know that's not that's not how anything works um i think two games is fine i don't think it should be it shouldn't be any more it shouldn't be any less that's fine with me honestly there's nothing wrong with that uh suspension in my in my book there it's it's perfectly fine um and uh ryan gets uh, playing his 1,000th game right now. It might be over by the uh, by the time I've finished recording this, but uh, he played his playing his 1,000th game in Anaheim, and you know, as much as I don't like Ryan Getzlaff, especially after he scored the overtime winner uh, the other night, uh, you always have to respect guys who can go a thousand games. It's not easy in today's NHL to go that long. Like, no matter how you slice it, it's not easy. There's no way to get to a thousand games without having to play a lot of times a little bit over the 100, playing, playing under the 100% energy level you're at or health level you're at which isn't necessarily great but at the very least you know it takes a bit of a warrior to do that and that's worth celebrating in a, all, all on its own so 
Ryan Getzlaff, a thousand games is impressive. Will he? I've, uh, the question is now: Will he make the Hall of Fame, or will he get in there? A lot of guys who get to a thousand games do get there, um, and he's had a career with gold, Olympic gold, Stanley Cups, um, a, a single Stanley Cup. But regardless, he's been a captain. He's there's you know I, he doesn't have the individual awards. Maybe he's come close, but. I would say, generally speaking, um, there's a good case that he, there's a good, he has a good case. He has a case to make the Hall of Fame. Um, I don't know if he'd be in mine, but he's got a case for it, for sure. Uh, especially when you put him up with like some of the similarity scores that I'm looking at here on hockeyreference.com. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, and yeah, either way, he's had a great career, a hell of a career. Um, and that's worth celebrating all on its own. A thousand games is not easy to get to. Uh, he has not at. Uh, he's he has only nine hundred and thirty three points. That's interesting. He's not hit a thousand. Uh, po- I mean that makes sense. But he's uh, he's not because he's not a point per game player. But yeah, uh, I think there's a good chance there. Uh, there is a good chance he'll crack that before he's done. Uh, he's only thirty four. Dang, he's only thirty four. That's nuts. Um, and. Uh, I guess the last thing we, we should touch on here is uh, a couple teams who are doing quite well these days. Uh, just looking at the point, as we look at the points table, Boston, is, Washington currently leads the NHL with 23 points. Uh, Boston right behind them, 22. And then you look at the teams just, just behind, just trailing behind. St. Louis is one of them. Stanley, defending Stanley Cup champions. Makes sense. Um, but then the other two. Uh, two of the other ones are, or three, we'll say three, we'll say, yeah, okay, so we'll say, leading the Pacific Division, 21 points, Edmonton, uh, second in the Atlantic, uh, with 20 points is Buffalo, the, the Sabres, um, those are two teams I wanted to touch on, uh, really quickly, because they're both teams that have really exceeded expectations, similar in, similarly to the Canucks, um, Buffalo is a team that I I want to believe they're for real. Like I really do. I think there's I think I think Buffalo is a market that I think Vancouver can real as a Canucks fan I can really relate to having seen them go through such terrible terrible teams and just stuck by them for the worst worst luck and the worst player and the worst teams. Um uh you want that you want that city to find success with its hockey team because they they're a great it's a great hockey market in Buffalo, um, and I think with guys like Jack Eichel and Jeff Skinner who you know you could make the argument yeah they maybe overpaid a little bit on him but right now I don't think they care about that because they're doing so well. Victor Olofsson has been huge for them. I don't know if Carter Hutton can hold up his play that he's had over the last the the start of the season if he can hold that up over eighty two. Uh, but if he can, wow, that's a, that's a story all in itself. Um, so I do think the Sabres are kind of tailing off a little bit, and that kind of, oh, excuse me, makes sense to me that they're going to tail off. I don't, I didn't think, I don't think they are going to be, at, at, after this, I don't think there's any point that they'll be leading the Atlantic, but I do think, at the very least, that they should make the playoffs. I would like to see them make the playoffs. I think they're in a division where it's going to be tough to do that, but 
I mean, they're in the East. The East is tough regardless. Um, it's clearly the, the, the big, the, the tougher of the two divisions right now. Um, but regardless, I would like to see Buffalo make the playoffs. I'd also like to see Florida make the playoffs, who is doing so right now, which I keep thinking is kind of nuts because their goaltending hasn't been great, although uh, Sergei Borovsky did get a shutout last night. Um, and then there's the Oilers. Now, the Oilers are a team that... Oh, I have questions. I do. I don't. I don't see the the oil. I see the Oilers also tailing off, but a, tailing off a lot more than the Sabers because they they've got most of their scoring has been confined to like five or six guys. James Neal being one of them. Uh, but obviously, then there, there's the obvious guys like. Leon Dreisaitl, who is 26 points already. Good Lord. Uh, Connor McDavid with 23, of course. So basically, just going off the goal total, let's just look at the goals uh, for a second here. The goals currently are are pretty much the confined to six players. Good Lord. Uh, it's Leon Dreisaitl, uh, James Neal, Connor McDavid. Then the other three with, who have more than one goal are Darnell Nurse, Ethan Bear and Zach Cassian. <laughs> Zach Cassian, former Vancouver Canuck legend, Zach Cassian. Um, <coughs> this is unprecedented. I am very surprised at Ryan Nugent Hopkins only having one goal and nine points. That stuns me a little bit. Um, did I say uh, I said Oscar? Uh, I said uh, did I say Oscar Clefbaum? No, I did not. Okay. Um, yeah, Oscar Clefbaum also nine points. Yeah, everyone else either has one goal or none. Oh my God, Brandon Manning is there. I forgot about him. Um, I think there's there's a lot to be said about the Oilers. Definitely taken eventually they're gonna regress to the means a little bit because there's no way if they're only getting scoring from six guys like this that they're gonna be able to hold up ethan bear has two of their goals but only four points so you could just looking at the point totals you could really make the argument they're being led mostly by the the likes of nurse nugent hopkins clefbaum cassie and neil mcdavid drysaddle like i mean they're really front heavy which is been the Oilers' M.O. for ages. Um, they're definitely better than last season, but the fact that so many of their other guys who have been contributors in the past have gone so, so cold, if they don't come back, I think the Oilers might be in some trouble. Also, the goaltending has been much better than I think anybody anticipated, especially Miko Koskinen, but especially Mike Smith. I mean, you could make the—they've they, both been overperforming. I think there is a good chance that once the goaltending uh, regresses, which they will, I, there is no way. I do not believe at all that Miko Koskinen or Mike Smith can hold up this pace for the rest of the season. There's just no way in my mind. I will—I— if. Oilers fans want to shove this in my face when I'm wrong. They can, but I really don't think that's happening. Um, I think they're going to see themselves take that that sharp decline. But hey, you know, a hot start could be the difference. It might still get them into the playoffs. You never know. If they keep they keep going, yeah, they might be able to build a lead, a big enough of a lead to, to stay in that race for as long as they possibly can. <coughs> and with my cough coming back, I think that's a good time to... Uh, 
shut this party down. Um, thank you so much for listening. This episode went almost an hour, an entire hour. Um, this is again, this is the new system um, for the Sunday Crease and LITC radio that I'm going to be doing every week. So make sure to hit those subscribe buttons on all of the platforms that you're listening this to this on. Um, you can find my stuff on lockinthecrease.com uh, as well as fearthefin.com for shark stuff and some other Canuck stories on dailyhive.com slash offside. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, uh, consider uh, checking out my Patreon. That's patreon.com slash lockinthecrease. Um, there is a link in the description of this video if you're watching this on uh, YouTube. <coughs> or on my website um, and you can uh, where you can get the second episode every week the Patreon exclusive episode every week uh, for only three bucks a month you get four exclusive episodes so that is worth your time if you enjoyed the show um, I plan on doing yeah two a week there's two a week there's going to be one for everybody and then one Patreon exclusive so yeah three three dollars a month gets you four episodes and some other perks I am working on the perk stuff uh, I'm trying to get as many good perks as I possibly can but yeah three dollars yeah so just keep that in mind if you have the opportunity to please consider joining my Patreon page you get more updates on the website and what I'm doing and sometimes some previews on some stuff that I'm working on and mailbag segments which I am planning to add at some point especially now that I'm doing the two episodes a week I would love to do mailbags so yeah patreon.com that is p-a-t-r-e-o-n.com you if you're watching the video you can see me make double checking my spelling uh in my head um yeah patreon.com slash lock in the crease go check that out please um and yeah thank you for listening this has been LATC radio I've been lock in the crease thank you for listening and good night